Welcome back to Season 1, Episode 3 of the One Proposal Podcast. I am your host, Dalia. When asked about the reason for my singleness, I used to say that I was waiting on God. But after some time, when the one still hadn't arrived, I began to wonder if God was waiting on me. And then, after many more years went by without the fulfillment of the promise of marriage, I began to wonder if God and I were waiting on the one I would one day call my husband. In today's episode, we explore the topic of waiting. We'll discover what the scriptures say about who's waiting on who and what we can do to speed up the process if we are the ones being waited for. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, I commit this journey to you, trusting it wholly to you. Cause my thoughts to become agreeable to your will. Today, I'm asking for your wisdom in the area of relationships, preparation, and being found by the one. I ask that our minds may be opened to see your light so that we will know and understand what is a hope to which you have called each one of us. As women who are yet to be married, we commit our way to you, Lord. We roll each care of this load to you. We lean on, rely on, and are confident in you and trust that you will bring it to pass in Jesus' name. When I consider the meaning of the word wait, I envision it to mean that I need to stay in some type of holding place without any activity, yet an expectation until something happens. I imagine it to be much like when we are at a red stoplight, waiting for it to turn green. The light turning green is totally out of my control. I can't do anything to make it turn green. I simply must be aware and be prepared to to press on the gas pedal when it does. So my part is to stay put and in place. Unless, of course, I want to risk getting a traffic ticket or, worse yet, cause an accident. Or how about if you become impatient and take a legal right turn, causing you delay in arriving to your destination? As a matter of fact, that happened to me just last week. It was already late into the evening as I was leaving the grocery store when I had in mind to take a left turn at the stop. However, there was lots of traffic that evening, and I became impatient as I sat there just waiting. So I took a safe right turn. Almost immediately, I became aware why my first instinct was to go left. The street I now needed to turn on to get home was closed due to construction. I continued driving further from my destination, that is, until I made yet another decision to take an exit into a part of town that I'm not really familiar with. I thought, how hard can it be to get to the other end, to my side of town? I drove into the new route, but the more I continued driving, the more and more it became unfamiliar, until finally I ended up at a dead end with absolutely no idea where I was. Not to mention, it felt very strange. It was well after 9 p.m. and there was construction going on and I could see a man walking in my direction. 
I quickly set my map navigator, which backtracked me through the maze I had gotten myself into, and then eventually put me on the right course. Without the map navigator that night, there's no way I would have found my way back out on my own. In the end, I lost precious time, which could have been avoided had I not been impatient. Now, that's a pretty accurate picture of the story of my singleness as I've waited on God, especially when I've become impatient and taken matters into my own hands by taking that right turn that seemed like a quicker way to my marriage destination, only to end up at a dead end, only to have to backtrack to get out of the mess. How many of us, when we are finally out, look back and realize, I should have heeded that still small voice when I was sitting at the red light. I should have waited to turn left. So waiting, what does that look like? Because there's no specific scripture that encourages us to wait on a man. I did a quick Google search and there are many many scriptures that encourage us to wait for the Lord. And what's interesting is that when I looked up the original Hebrew word, wait, in some of these scriptures, it has nothing to do with that image of staying in place until something happens, until you get the green light from God. Instead, what I found is that the original word for wait is bind. B-I-N. N-D, as in to make secure by tying, to commit oneself, yoke together, or join. Let's take Psalm 27, 14, which says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The original word for wait in this scripture does not give any indication that we are waiting on God, that God is waiting on us, or that we are waiting on the one. The waiting that is being done here is committing ourselves to God, securing ourselves to him, yoking ourselves to God, joining ourselves to God. Isn't the original word for wait a more telling story of what is happening in our culture today? As women, we bind ourselves to a man. Sometimes, if it didn't work out with one, which was my case, we bind ourselves to another and then another. We want a committed relationship and commitment from a man. I, for one, desperately desired to secure a man by tying the knot and joining myself together with a man in holy matrimony. Not once did I consider putting God in that place. I was, quote unquote, waiting on God, but binding myself to men. And the sad part is, society encourages us to join and commit to multiple men time and time again until we have arrived at the one. The mantra of the world is, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all, even at the cost of a broken heart. I, for one, used to subscribe to that way of thinking. I was hoping that in finding the right one, all the brokenness I experienced along the journey would be worth it. 
the tears wept would be wiped away by the one, and that the brokenheartedness would be mended when I finally found my person. But nowhere in the Bible does God accept brokenheartedness, nor is it part of God's plan. Look at what the Bible says about our heart. Proverbs fifteen thirteen. Heartache crushes the spirit. Proverbs 28, 14. He who hardens his heart falls into trouble. Luke 6, 45. The good man brings good things out of the good treasure of his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil treasure of his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And finally, Proverbs 4.23 Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. God doesn't endorse a broken heart. If anything, God encourages us to guard our heart, get this, above all else. What does someone with a broken heart look like? I think Mark chapter 7 paints a solid image of things someone with a broken heart would do. The word broken means completely crushed or shattered. Starting with verse 20, Jesus said, What comes out of a man is what makes a man unclean and renders him unhallowed. For from within, that is, out of the hearts of men, come base and wicked thoughts sexual immorality, stealing, murder, adultery, coveting, a greedy desire to have more wealth, dangerous and destructive wickedness, deceit, unrestrained, indecent conduct, an evil eye, envy, slander, evil speaking, malicious misrepresentation, abusiveness, pride, the sin of an uplifted heart against God and man, foolishness, folly, lack of sense, recklessness, thoughtlessness, all these evil purposes and desires come from within, and they make the man unclean and render him unhallowed. There's a saying that goes, what you don't heal in your singleness will spread like a disease in your togetherness. Let me point this out here. There's no way that you or I can heal anything. I've tried. Medicating it, ignoring it, keeping busy, moving to a different city, getting a different job. None of those things were permanent fixes for the brokenness I felt. God is the only one that can do that. Psalm 147.3 says, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Jesus came to do just that. In Luke 4.18, his words were, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, this doesn't mean we have a free pass to go get our hearts broken time and time again. No. God says to guard our heart above all else. Let's go back to Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. 
Now, why would we need our hearts strengthened? Why is it so important for God to heal a broken heart? Because our hearts determine the course of our life. Friends, the condition of our hearts determine our destiny. For out of our heart springs the issues of life. For our heart is the source of life. Our life is shaped by our hearts. That's why it was so important to God because he knew that our hearts, whether they are broken or mended, healed or hurting, would determine and set the course of our life. When your heart is broken, you can't love or trust. When it's broken, you say mean things. You spew out anger, bitterness, and hatred. How do I know? Because my heart was broken through multiple relationships, some romantic, some not. Yes, a heart can be broken in multiple ways. It doesn't just have to be the romantic kind. When my heart was broken, I had a chip on my shoulder. I trusted no one. I believed no one. I would get upset for anything and nothing at all. No one knew the deep bitterness in my heart. Before I was a Christian, I'll tell you honestly about the condition of my heart. I was a liar. I was a stealer. And I was a cheat. And then when I became a Christian, I was good at concealing the one area that kept me bound in sin, the opposite sex. My life was very much full of compromise. I still behaved inappropriately with boys. I lied to them, to myself, and others because I didn't think anyone would love the real me. I stole from my employers, their supplies, and their time. I cheated. I cursed. I cussed. Did those things go away when I proclaimed Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Absolutely not. I still continued behaving and believing in much the same way as before I accepted Jesus. But slowly, over the course of days, weeks, months, and years, as I was continuing to develop my faith, there's the key. As I continued to develop my faith, I started becoming more highly aware of God's protective presence. My thoughts and actions were bringing their own convictions. Every time I messed up, I would ask God for his forgiveness. And each time I felt a comforting peace. Ultimately, I stopped inappropriate actions, a few at a time, not because of condemnation from God but because of how much God continually demonstrated his love towards me. I could sense it, I could feel it, and I knew it. Unconditional love. The more he loved me, the more I desired to please him where my actions with boys, my words, my thoughts, and my employer was concerned. Now, let's go back to Mark 7, the last part which says, All these evil purposes and desires come from within the heart and they make the man unclean and render him unhallowed. The word unhallowed means not blessed. How many times have I behaved unbecoming, much much like the person from the scripture in Mark 7.20, and in the same breath, I have asked God to bless me, to bless me with this, to bless me with that, to bless me with a husband. Yes. God loves me, but God will not violate or alter his his word to bless me. Why would anyone expect God to bless the very things the Bible speaks against? So 
the transformation in my life started with my heart. And the beauty is that this is a team effort between God and I. So many scriptures point to that. In Deuteronomy 28, it says, If I hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord my God and observe to do, then blessings shall come upon me and overtake me. My part is to hearken diligently to his voice and observe to do. His part, God's part, are the blessings. What blessings? Well, I encourage you to read Deuteronomy 28, which in my Bible is titled, Blessings of Obedience. In Matthew 6.33, it says, When I seek first the kingdom of God, that's my part. God's part, it says, that he adds to my life. In Psalm 37.4, if I delight in the Lord, my part. If I do my part, God gives me the desires of my heart. Friends, God is not waiting on me. I am not waiting on God, nor are we waiting on the one. Instead, God is encouraging us to bind ourselves to Him, commit ourselves to Him, securing ourselves to Him, yoking ourselves to Him, joining ourselves to Him. So today, if we desire to speed up the process of being found, the very things that I desire to do with man, I first have to do with God. <music>